This is Defenders TV Podcast, Episode 53, Daredevil, Season 2, Episode 2, Dogs to a Gunfight. Welcome back, Defenders, to this episode of Daredevil Season 2, Episode 2. We're kicking off with a fight, and we're going to bring dogs to a gunfight in this episode. We are on Episode 53 of Defenders TV Podcast, and Mm -hmm. I am one of your hosts, John. And I'm your other host, Derek. Uh, We don't have Chris with us for this episode, our uh, second episode of our Daredevil coverage, Uh, but he did sneak in just at the end for episode one uh, with his thoughts, Uh, so you hopefully will have heard that by now. Uh, I'm not saying he won't sneak in with his thoughts for the second episode either before we get our edit done, so hopefully you'll hear from Chris, uh, and soon he will be joining us at the mic for the next episode, hopefully. He is currently winging his way all the way from the west coast of America. Mm Mm-hmm. Back to Little Old Island. That's right. Yeah, but um this episode, Derek, what did you think? For me, certainly jam-packed. Yeah, there's tons going on. Lots of great stuff in, in this Loads episode. Loads of stuff. Yeah. Loads of references to other Daredevils mm-hmm. and a few of the other Marvel Netflix shows. Absolutely, yeah. I always enjoyed that and really well put together episodes. Uh, lots of good stuff going on in here. Um, and I'm I'm really enjoying watching this, uh, this new season of Daredevil. And dare I say it, um, obviously we have our five-point structure where we discuss things that we like, don't like, or maybe indifferent to. Um, I think I have about a five-point times four uh, <laughs> structure to, to my points for this episode. So um, it will be really interesting. I just thought this was absolutely chocked full of goodness, mm-hmm. um, just like a burrito. Absolutely. Uh, we will be releasing this episode this weekend, which is the uh, weekend of release for Daredevil. Uh, and we will be moving back to a more a more structured uh, release. S- no, sedate, I think you'll find. <laughs> Probably sedate, yes. Uh, a, more, a more sedate uh, release structure from uh, from this episode onwards. Um, we'll be obviously covering our Agent Carter and finishing off that series. We've got three more episodes of that to go. Um, so probably get one episode of Daredevil and one episode of uh, Agent Carter out every week. Um, if you want to make sure that you get all of the episodes as they're released, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes by just going through our direct link at DefendersTVPodcast.com slash iTunes. Or if you're not an iTunes person, if you're more of an Android person like myself, you can subscribe in any good or evil podcast catcher uh, like Steve Stitcher, like Beyond Pod, like Podcast Addicts, just search for Defenders TV Podcast. And once you've subscribed, we will arrive in your ears as soon as we release an episode. And of course, with it now being Friday the 18th of March, um, Marvel Netflix have uh, released this globally Daredevil Season 2 to all and sunder mm-hmm. um, for their r- absolute enjoyment uh, and uh, watchful glee. So, of course, now, if you have any feedback, what are your thoughts on these episodes? Uh, we would really love to hear that. Uh, please send it into feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com. We have a spoiler-filled um, discussion section of our Facebook group, um, so you can join there. Uh, and 
discuss away. It will all be spoiler filled, but it'll all be within a separate area of the Facebook feed. Uh, but just search Defenders TV podcast and join us there and let mm-hmm. us continue on the conversation both from the podcast and into Facebook as now we can watch all 13 episodes of season two of Daredevil. Of course, we can't because Derek will, of course, um, have the pin code for the TV and we'll put his parent blocking on uh, for both myself and Chris. That's right. That's right. Uh, the way we cover our episodes is that we watch one episode of the season of Daredevil on Netflix at a time. Uh, and once we finished watching it, we then record the podcast before we watch the next episode. So that means we come up with some interesting theories about things that may happen for characters who usually die the day, the episode after we come up with a big theory <laughs> yeah, for them. So, um, so yes. So look forward to that, listeners. Um, if you do want to share with us your thoughts on, on feedback, just make sure you mark it with the episode number you're speaking about. Uh, any feedback about the full series, just mark it with that, and we'll talk about it at the end of the show, at the at the 13th episode. So uh, we'd love to get feedback on the episodes as you're watching them, Absolutely. Uh, as John mentioned. Absolutely. Just search Defenders TV Podcast on Facebook. Join our group. Uh, follow the page that we have as well. And, of course, you can find us on Twitter at Defenders Cast. Please come and join in the fun. Uh, it'd be great to have you. But I think with that, uh, Derek, what do you have for us on this episode? What are the um, production notes for, for <laughs> this episode two? I don't want to read the production notes because there's so many people involved in this show. I was looking at them, uh, looking at them on IMDb and, and looking at them as we were watching the episodes. There's so many people involved in making this series as special as it is. So uh, what I will call out is that the episode itself was written again by our new showrunners, Marco Ramirez and Doug Petrie. Uh, great to have them involved in the first two episodes of the series and also directed by Phil Abram, who directed the first episode of this season and the first two episodes of season one. So uh, much the same people involved in this episode. Uh, really good to have them involved in, the, in structuring the series and the setup for the show. So, John, do you want to tell us what they gave us this time? Sure. Foggy Nelson searches for his best friend Matt Murdock on the rooftops of Hell's Kitchen, leading to the opening of old wounds between the pair. The vigilante named Punisher by the cops goes on a shopping trip to pick up a police radio so he can step up his plan to take down the criminals of New York City. Meanwhile, Matt returns to Melvin Potter, the gladiator, to improve his suit and protect him from further punishment. Foggy also negotiates for Survivor Grotto to enter the witness protection program with the district attorney, Samantha Reyes, in exchange for using Grotto to build a case against a drug leader called Edgar Brass. However, as the wiretap plan is put into action, another plan unexpectedly takes place from the DA's office as her ulterior motives for Nelson and Murdoch's client are revealed as an attempt is made by the New York PD to draw out the bloody vigilante known as the Punisher. Yeah, so, like, this, to me, was, like, had so much going on in it. Really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. But I think, Derek, what is your first uh, juicy point for this uh, episode? <laughs> I, I'm really just like the opening uh, of this episode. It's really Foggy-centric, I think, uh, in a lot, yeah, of, a lot of times. Um, what I love is that Foggy's looking for Matt's body, and, you know, he, he gets the idea of where Matt could be left after his attack by the Punisher or after the Punisher attacked him um, from overhearing the uh, 
the speakers that the police have saying um, that someone that there were shots fired on the roof of the tenements uh, in the local area in Hell's Kitchen. Um, Very Daredevil-esque almost, uh, listening in to uh, the police radio. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, And what kind of gets me in this and the fact that Foggy goes and saves Daredevil is that obviously last season uh, Foggy had only just found out about him. He's now protecting Daredevil's identity and he's also supporting him. And what we see here by having this kind of sidekick in Foggy Nelson is that Daredevil wouldn't have survived this. He was bleeding out on the roof. He'd been shot. Um, what it looked like he was bleeding out. I think what we learn later on is that uh, the mask did protect him. He didn't actually get um, get a bullet to the head, which was really lucky. Um, but well, he did, but he got a bullet to the mask. Exactly. exactly. I, I think I said that I thought it looked like he had kept caught it, almost mm-hmm. taken it out of the air with his um like super duper sensory skills uh-huh. but um no it actually hit him square on, on the the temple yeah yeah absolutely uh, and i do like the fact that foggy's using uh, really strange excuses to get into the all the all the flats in the uh, in the in the yeah. area he says he lost his keys in the first one then he says his kids locked him out and the guy goes are you some kind of idiot and foggy goes Yes. <laughs> yeah. No. Anything for in. the cause. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. But I like how active again uh, they're making Foggy in this season. That's really nice to see um, him being a central part of the team. Now, uh, this is a team of the of the Daredevil cr- crew, basically. You know, Daredevil absolutely can't work alone. You know. Yeah. And actually, that feeds into my first point, really, as well. Which again, the transition from um, the the end of episode one there immediately into episode two you know it is almost like seamless like it it goes through um really really well and it i really like um and completely agree with what you're saying there that foggy is part of the team and i love that um foggy starts questioning matt as you know those old wounds um open but in in a different way rather than why didn't you tell me about being daredevil and this vigilante it's now you have to stop being the daredevil. Yeah. Um, and it's almost as though he's trying to say, look, trust me to do my job, he says back at the apartment. Um, trust the DA's office and so on. It, he's making the point is like, you know, you're not the only one who helps. You know, I'm part of this team. Let me do this. You need to now rest, take a break. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, you know, he's questioning the fact that not everyone now is a crook in this city. You know, yes, under Wilson Fisk, there was corruption throughout um the public life in, in New York City and yeah. through Hell's Kitchen. But you hear from Karen now that a lot of those were taken down with Fisk uh, when he was brought to court and brought to trial by um the Nelson and, and Murdoch avocados at law. Yeah. You know, so we really do see that Foggy's trying to get Daredevil, get uh, Matt Murdock out of this paranoia a bit um, and out of this obsession that it's only him. And it really feeds nicely into other things that Karen says later on, which I won't just say uh, now, but I really liked um, this whole thing from Foggy. I think it's kind of summed up with Matt saying, you know, can I get an aspirin? And he says, well, do you want an x-ray or a psych evaluation? Like, <laughs> you know, He's really questioning Matt's choices, uh, you know, his need to, that he needs to rest and consider putting this costume back in whatever wacko box it comes out of. Yeah. Like he's really saying, you know, he's covering for him and he's hurting himself. And there's only so many times that, you know, he can keep covering for him. You know, yeah. what if we were caught 
coming back from the rooftop, you in that costume. What happens when Karen, who I think inevitably is going to find out, you know, she, or she's going to put the pieces together herself. Yeah. And, um, you know, what is going to happen? Um, and I love this whole questioning of the secrecy that, that Matt Murdock, um, is wanting to retain. Understandably. But it's by one of his own team members. Now. Yeah, yeah. But I do love how, how supportive Foggy also is of him at the time. It's not like he's telling him he's going to walk away if he doesn't uh, get rid of the outfit. He's telling him that he's here for him. He's going to support him. He's got to take care of himself. He's got to get himself better before he goes out and fights because other people can do the fighting for him as well. It's really good touches to kind of show that balance between the two of them, that they are friends. He does support him, but he can't live like this, worrying about him all the time. And I think as well, you know, Foggy bookends this episode with running across at the start the, the roofs of Hell's Kitchen to find his friend who he knows is in trouble. Mm-hmm. And he does it again at the end of the episode um, after the trap sprung by the DA's office, right, uh, which yeah. obviously we'll come to later. But it, it's a really nice kind of framing of this episode, which I think really does have Foggy in one of his most central um, roles in Daredevil, actually, and I really, really enjoyed it. Yes. I'm really loving how Foggy is coming out of uh, the the mist <laughs> and, and and the shell of this show, and really becoming part of uh, Daredevil's team um, and Nelson and Murdoch's uh, advocates of of law, and that he's really stepping up to the mark as a lawyer as well, and and that element and that side of, of this show really really like it yeah yeah which is my second point so good good lead in there john um yeah i love foggy standing up to the da um samantha Big reyes yeah. yeah really really good to see samantha reyes back she was in uh, the final episode of jessica jones um on the opposing side of the table with uh, hogarth and uh, and jessica after the big moment at the end of the season uh, of jessica jones which i'm still unsure whether we can spoil on the on the daredevil podcast in case you haven't watched jessica Jones, uh, go watch it. Uh, there's, there's some great stuff in there and a great first nod here that um, Samantha Reyes was the DA in Jessica Jones. She's obviously the DA in the New York area. Um, so it's great to see that crossover already. But I love seeing Foggy stand up to her and really well. You know, he's, he's showing off his strength as a character. He's certainly no shrinking violet in this show. Um, he's very confident in his abilities as a lawyer, uh, which I really enjoy. It's, it's good to have him be a, a character that isn't um that doesn't isn't super powered but does have this ability in the law and is going to use it to get his own way and get things done really in this in this episode really good moment between the two of them uh, and i love a great moment in the scene is just karen in the background so, showing so much pride at, yeah, at absolutely. it's great you can just see her taking on board that her best friend one of her best friends anyway is is uh really stepping up to the mark and really uh not shrinking away from this more powerful person uh in his presence that he's showing off what he can do and his abilities in front of uh in front of the the da of, of new york which is really good really good yeah, definitely. And of course, we hear um, Edgar Brass's name mentioned for the first time here um, about getting Grotto, you know, as part of the witness protection uh, scheme here that, you know, the exchange for that is that he he gives all the information he can about his previous um, work, but also helps to sort of ensnare uh, and trap um, this this drug cartel leader um, of 
going by the name of Edgar Brass, mm. um, which is interesting because obviously from the first episode, we have elements from the, the takedown of, uh, the, the Irish American gang, um, you know, we have this missing hand from the scene. We have the mo- mobile phone call that we called out in, in one of the dead bodies right after the, the massacre by the Punisher. And that Nesbitt was wearing a flak jacket to his own club. Yeah. Sort of, you know, there is trouble brewing here. Um, but, you know, who is Edgar Brass? He's not one- Brannigan. Um, this is another sort of uh, crook that's entering into the fray. Is it a real person? Is it maybe someone with a pseudonym or something? Um, yeah. You know, a cover here. Um, almost a bit like Wilson Fisk. Mm. So it'll be really interesting to see who this Edgar Brass may or may not actually turn out to be, or is it just a, a cover by the cops almost? Maybe, maybe. And I like the fact that the DA is saying that that's the only way that uh, Grotto is going to get out of this situation if they give them Brass. Um, and Foggy does mention that the feds will give exactly the same offer to him. So Brass must be someone very important to the show. It'll be interesting to see who he is uh, in the future. We didn't actually get to see him in this episode, so it'll be interesting to see who he is in the future. Uh, one call out from for after last week's episode, uh, we didn't do as many Easter eggs as we probably normally would because Chris wasn't here. Uh, but one of the little Easter eggs that I did really like after watching the episode uh, was that Grotto himself is from the comic books and he's actually a partner of Turk Barrett. He did partner up with Turk quite a lot in the comic books and a couple of his appearances in the Daredevil comic books uh, came from the Frank Miller era of uh, of Daredevil as so much of, of this show has in the past. Um, but it's quite interesting that Grotto is also a, a, a character in, the, in that in the comic books. Um, and I'm wondering if the two of them will team up in future if Turk Barris uh, gets back out of prison. Uh, will him and uh, and Grotto team up? Yeah, it would be really nice to see sort of the two lovable criminals kind of uh, working together, mm-hmm. you know, in that sense. That would that would be a really cool little thing to have going on sort of, uh, you know, around the sidelines, definitely. Absolutely. Uh, John, do you want to give us your next point? Yeah, I think it's, it's kind of links in with Karen's pride, but it, it, Karen gets a good, um, a good deal of storyline here, which I really liked. And I think the angle for me is kind of, as I've already said, you know, she's a clever girl. Don't take me as an idiot. I think she, she says to, to, uh, Matt when she's round at his apartment, mm. but it's the, the copycats or what the, the devil worshippers as they're known, uh, these people who are taking on the mantle of, um, of Daredevil. It's, it's called out by Officer Brett Mahoney, um, in the police precinct, um, and it, it's kind of the thing then later on that Karen picks up in, in Matt's, um, apartment where, you know, she, she really goes, you know, the Punisher was inevitable. This yeah. man, you know, as she's reporting back to Matt, the whole thing that went down with the DA uh, surrounding Grosso. She goes, the Punisher was inevitable. You know, she sees the straight line from Daredevil to the Punisher. There's all these other people that are doing it or trying to do it, but not quite so well. But here's the Punisher. He's doing exactly what um, Daredevil is doing. And and she makes the point that Daredevil's actions open the door to men like this. You know, men that think they are the law and that the law doesn't matter to them. And she says she doesn't see the difference now between Daredevil and the Punisher. They are the same. Okay, one has more violent methods than the other, but nonetheless, it's what they're doing. They feel that they are judge, jury, executioner, or judge, jury, and chucks it into the police precinct after he's beaten them up quite yeah. heavily. Yeah. Um, you know, so 
This I really liked. Um, this coming from Karen, and I, I think that it was done in the apartment where you do get the sense that she's starting to not believe all of Foggy's excuses. That, yeah. you know, he's fallen down the stairs, he's walked into a door, that he's a heavy drinker, and all of this. She's, she's beginning to suspect something, I think, because she does say, um, you know, she might still accept that he's a, an alcoholic and a yeah. heavy drinker. Yeah. You know, but I think, Towards the end, she sees Foggy running frantic um, as Daredevil is caught in the DA's trap. Mm. Uh, and I, I think maybe is, does that start the the the, the change in it of, well, why is Foggy so concerned about Daredevil? Mm-hmm. Does he know him? And obviously then making that leap to, is it Matt Murdock? I loved all this interaction between Karen and Matt Murdock. Yeah. But also... Um, with regards to these devil worshippers and copycats. Absolutely, yeah. One of the things I did like about that interaction between Karen and Matt is that Matt's trying to defend Daredevil and what he does as opposed to what Punisher's doing. And it's quite interesting because Karen doesn't have the frame of reference to know that he is Daredevil. So when he's given her excuses like, um, well, Daredevil doesn't kill anybody, she goes, well, not that we know of. So how can you fight against that? How can you have that argument with somebody that doesn't know for definite that Daredevil is not a murderer because they don't know anything? Absolutely. And she assumes that Matt has that same level of knowledge about Daredevil as everybody else in the city, you know? So he's trying to be defensive, yet she can only see it from her perspective, which is, well, maybe he did kill people and we just don't know. It wasn't reported on. Yeah, and I mean, she makes the point that, you know, everyone has cheered on Daredevil and now all of a sudden people are doing exactly what he what he does, but they're not just leaving them outside of, of a court or a, yeah. a, a police station. He, they're killing them. Or, you know, all of this is now starting to sort of take its toll. And I think from Karen as well, she's coming at it from, you know, she has that moment where there's the survivor's guilt element where, you know, after the DA's uh, meeting, she sat looking through the morgue reports on all the people that the Punisher has killed. Um, and, you know, she's doing some searches on them and so on. But she, she says to, um, she says to Foggy, you know, I should have been one of those in, in the morgue. Yeah. I should have been one of those reports. Um, you know, it, it's that I attracted Wilson Fisk's attention to come after me. And mm-hmm. now I've been shot at and, and this guy, the Punisher is coming after me. Uh, and this, I think, is all fueling that now that this aspect that well, maybe Daredevil is also one of these people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just in different clothing. I mean, we have the fact that Fisk and Daredevil had the same idea, at least up until the very last episode of This Is My City, I Want to Save It. Yeah. Um, obviously, that turned out to be a bit of a charade for Fisk. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, um, again, she doesn't know that conversation. All the reports she saw was about... Wilson Fisk wanting to save his city, yeah. to pull it out of of the the mess that it was in. Exactly, exactly. No, really good, really good point. Derek, what's your next point? Uh, my next point is entitled "Poor Stupid Pawn Shop Owner," 
Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really like this scene, our, our second proper introduction to Frank Castle. We, he actually gets more lines than Bang this this time, uh, which is good. Um, he's very, very knowledgeable about exactly what he wants uh, from this pawn shop owner, showing the training that he has, showing that he is coming from a military background and is trying to investigate and do something uh, using the police scanners effectively that he's trying to buy off the pawn shop owner. Um, but I love how the scene plays out uh, where he is so gruff with the pawn shop owner. He's, he knows he just wants to use him to get this piece of equipment. I'm not too sure whether Frank was ever actually going to walk out of that pawn shop without uh, killing the pawn shop owner. But um, I like that they've kind of used it as a way of showing that uh, Frank Castle isn't all bad. He will do something to protect the innocents in, in his mind, whatever that may be. Um, as the pawn shop owner calls out that he's going to sell him some porn uh, of varying types, and that makes Frank snap. And take the baseball bat to his head. Well, it's um, as it's an underage porn, basically. Absolutely. Abs- yeah. Yeah. As it's going worse and worse and deeper and deeper, uh, when Frank snaps, really like that touch because, you know, Frank is a hero in the Marvel universe. You know, it's not, he's not a villain. Um, while he does come across as a villain to people that don't agree with his methods, um, he has a belief in himself that he's not a villain. He's taking out bad guys and putting them down. Um, so that's where the pawn shop owner gets his comeuppance because he has now told Frank Castle that he is genuinely a bad guy. He's not just a guy who owns a shop that sells bad things. He's a bad guy himself. Yeah, he's trained. Yeah, he's trading in, in child pornography, essentially, yeah. underage uh, pornography. And I mean, I think he was going to walk out and I think it wasn't until then that it, it, it snapped for him. Yeah. Um, so I, I actually th- would have thought he would have walked out because he was being very methodical anyway about, um, give me the gun or at least give me the, the cartridges. Here's some money. Give me the, the videotape. And here's the money for obviously the tactical radio, um, you know, the NYPD yeah. mobile communications, um, device. And, like all of that was playing out and it was even so much that it supports your theory that he is good, but it was that, you know, he will only harm those people that are genuinely deserving of it. And at the mention of all of that, yeah. he suddenly became genuinely deserving of the wrath of the Punisher, you know, and this is Punisher baseball, um, as he picks <laughs> up the bat. And I mean, quite frankly, it's probably more exciting than, uh, real life baseball. Um, I don't want to go out to watch it though, to be honest. No, I don't want to watch it. I like the fact that it was off camera. This was the violent button being pushed, uh, for the Punisher. Mm-hmm. Um, but it shows that he does have a trigger mechanism. He is not just, um, an out and out, um, psychopath yeah, who will, yeah. you know, spreads the bullets around and doesn't care who he kills. There is this, um, mode of operations that he has, um, which is hugely tactical. That is true. And, and it, there is a code, I suppose, that he, he works to. Yeah, no, I do agree with you. I do agree with the point. Um, I think it was just more the disdain of Frank having to deal with this person is what was coming across at the start. You're probably right. He was going to leave him alive when he was walking out of the shop, but, um, but it was kind of a, just give me a reason almost is what is the feeling I had. It was kind of a, I am going to leave you alive, but stop talking. And if you keep talking, you're dead. Basically, that's kind of what it was. Um, you know, the Nazi symbol on his neck means that I don't really have much love lost there for the death of this guy. No, absolutely. Like, I mean, I didn't actually even spot that first off. Mm. And then, yeah, obviously, um, there you go. Um, bit of a nasty chap. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. John, do you want to take us on to your next point? Yes. Yeah, um, speaking of Easter eggs, my kind of next point is I think we might have the Punisher's dog, Max. Uh, we ha- might have Max the dog. And I love not only that 
we have Max the dog. But I also love the way he was introduced by Daredevil returning to the scene of, of the, the massacre of the Irish mm-hmm. uh, and tracking the dog by almost like uh, as a tracker dog. Um, you need a tracker dog to track a dog. <laughs> um, I don't know whether he did it all by smell and scent. I think there was also a bit of maybe um, getting the waves of of blood sound coming. I don't know. But for me, this was like a bloodhound on the trail uh, going for... Um, uh, a really nifty way of of finding where the base of operations is of the Punisher. Mm-hmm. And he finds it, and there is little Max rescued, the fighting dog rescued from um, any future dog fights. You know, again, it shows the, the tender, loving, caring side of the Punisher <laughs> as, as well. Um, but he finds this safe house of the of the punisher you have the the radio that he bought earlier from the um, pawn shop and um you know we also have daredevil back in black that's right yeah yeah really good to have him back in his in his old black as uh, his suit have, has only lasted one episode uh, so far um, which is uh, which is quite interesting um yeah, I'm not too sure about about Matt's tracking back of the dog. Now, I know he wasn't called out as Max, but I'm assuming, uh, knowing that the comic books does have uh, Punisher and his dog, and Punisher is a... Uh is quite well known as being very caring for his animal uh, as well. It's quite it's quite cool to have that little touch in there. I don't know whether we're going to see the dog very often in future or whether he's abandoned this particular safe house that he has. Um, but yeah, I'm not too sure about how Matt tracked down the dog, especially because there is a scene in in while he's tracking him where uh, someone's washing down the street, um, where the blood that he has been following so far to lead him to the dog is obviously being washed away. Um, so I don't really know how Daredevil followed that trail after uh, after that point. But look, it's a TV show. I'll give it a bit of leeway. Those things happen sometimes. He is super-powered, uh, so there is a possibility he's still able to track it, even though it's being washed down. But, but he was only washing down a little bit of pavement outside of his house. So if... The dog was bleeding because he he has a little plaster on his head, which looks all very cute. (laughs) Um, He's snorting away as only um, bulldogs or whatever type of... What is it? Bulldog? It looks like a bulldog. It breathes like a bulldog. And (laughs) Um, so it's... You know, he, he has a little plaster, so he has been bleeding. So, you know, he could have picked up the trail further on. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't like this guy was washing down the whole of That's New York true. City. That's true, of course, of course. <laughs> that would take a lot of water. Yeah. And when it's 100 degree temperatures outside, you don't want to be wasting that much water. <laughs> you wouldn't be able to do this in L.A. anyway. No. <laughs> Hosepipe bands. Hosepipe bands. Absolutely. <laughs> but Derek, what is your next point? Speaking of Daredevil's suit uh, and the fact that it only lasted one episode, we get our return appearance of Melvin Potter, the gladiator uh, or suit builder for uh, for Daredevil. Great to see him back. Really good, uh, really good interplay between the two of them. I like that they've struck a deal between the two of them yeah. where Melvin says, um, we're here to keep each other safe, right? That's our deal. Um, you keep me safe from being attacked. He says all his old clients are coming around to him to fix his suits and he's no longer working for them. He's been refusing them, but he will work for Daredevil and will build his brand new suit, which is really interesting. I'm I'm looking forward to a suit upgrade, and I like the fact yeah. that we've we've got Melvin Potter in as as another member of the Daredevil team. Yeah, I like the the idea. You know, the deal is we keep each other safe. Um, I like the fact as well that Melvin kind of calls out um Matt, and in the same way that Foggy did, he goes, you know, I promised Betsy I wouldn't do anything illegal. You know, he's been turning down his his older clients. Yeah. And Matt is going, well, I'm not a criminal. 
but he still calls out, you don't have a badge. And it's the same thing that Karen is saying. Yeah. I like this notion that the people around him, that even people who are almost part of the Daredevil team are questioning some of the things he's doing, that maybe he's getting too deep into this. I, I love that notion yeah. that's coming through uh, for me fr from this. And definitely um, when there's another vigilante in the city, um, they're starting to compare him to Daredevil and trying to see, is Daredevil doing the right thing or not? You know, um, that's quite cool. That's quite a good Yeah, good and I mean, Melvin's as well is like, this needs replacing. This is like uh, an eggshell now. Um, the integrity of the helmet is completely... Um, shot to bits yeah <laughs> so <laughs> i really bits. um Good like this um but he still needs it and asks for a repair as well as a replacement and i love later on when you see the repair it, it's like it's where you i suppose would expect the scar to be on matt murdoch's uh, temple and forehead uh really really enjoys just how sort of it made the the face mask look different, yeah, um, and a, a bit creepier actually. Almost felt a bit like Whitney Frost's sort of cracking face and and that kind of notion of of a mask as well. So I really liked it, and I still can't believe that you don't use Frost's face fisher when you say that every time. But it is Frost's face <laughs> fisher, and that's because I can't say it quickly that's, enough. That's very true. That's very true. Do you want to take us on to your next point, Sam? Yeah, my next one is Dogs of Hell are taken down again. This is like the second attack on the Dogs of Hell, but I really like the um the little gag in there with the guy hosing down the truck that's been taken out. You know, you've seen some bloody mess of a guy uh, who's dead, like taken off, probably to be uh, put into sausages or something somewhere. Uh, and here we then have wash it down. We'll use the the truck for parts. Mm -hmm. And of course, the guy's got his um, his earmuffs on as he's hosing the inside of the the cabin and and the outside. And you just hear the the blasts of the gunfire going off in, in the back. And he's kind of like, what what's going on with my 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 jet wash? And yeah. then it's like, yeah, he gets taken down. Really, really like this. I was thinking. It was really interesting that it was a a a jet water jet gag for this, um, just because I know um a similar kind of hose has just done an advert for Ghostbusters, like for <laughs> for removing. Uh, so I'm like going, oh my god, are like the marketing people moving um jet washers, water jet washers and cleaners uh, into the world of comic books and and films. Right. Uh, but I love this gag. I just thought it was neat. It was. Great just seeing Frank Castle there at the end with all the blood splatters. And the guy who's washing down the cabin doesn't realize it until like there's this huge like splat of blood against where he's just cleaned. Yeah. And this guy falls into the side of the, the, the truck as well. So like this was just a nice little nod. And of course he uses that truck then later on to um obviously reveal were the location of the nypd swat team yeah yeah i absolutely love the scene so if you absolutely positively have to clear up every piece of blood that's been left behind after you've killed someone get a car shirt and washer is that that's basically the new ad yeah <laughs> something like that yeah <laughs> probably sold by samuel l jackson as well <laughs> but you can also just remove 
dirt grime and yes. moss from from your um, from your paving stones. <laughs> very true. Very true. Uh, Manak pointed a little bit of a quick one. I love that we've got the name the Punisher in this episode. This is uh, that he's already been given this as his title by the cops and by the by the district attorney's office. Effectively, uh, he's not called Frank within the episode at all. He is the Punisher straight off the bat. It's not something that's coming from uh, from Daredevil's team or anything like that, or from Matt. Uh, this is actually the title he's been given by uh, the people that agree with him, really. Uh, we're, we're told during this episode that by Mahoney that the NYPD is split in half. Uh, half of them believe that what he's doing is the right thing and half of them believe that he's not. Um, so I'm presuming that they're just they're calling him the Punisher in a really positive way almost, saying that he is punishing the criminals for what they've done. Um, just quite interesting that it's already come up. There's no no other detail behind him. There's no other nickname assigned to him that they've assigned the name the Punisher to him. That's quite cool. Yeah, no, I like that. I like the fact that there's no backstory. I mean, we may get to hear some of the motives from him uh, at a later time, but, um, you know, there is no need. It fits neatly and really nicely into the Daredevil story arc that we're seeing so far. Mm -hmm. So um, this is, this is really good. Yeah. I mean, Definitely loved the shout out that it was just the Punisher that they're profiling this guy. You know, it, it's it's military and tactical precision, but that his targets are absolutely chosen, uh, and there is a rationale behind who he's picking yeah. in terms of these gang leaders and and just gang members as well. And that the initial tag for him is the Punisher. Yeah, so really good. Yeah, absolutely. And I know there was some talk um, sometime during the winter period, basically in between Jessica Jones and Daredevil, when obviously the discussions were t- were going on about what we'd see from the Punisher. A lot of discussions about the Punisher getting his own show and, and possibly getting his own uh, Netflix series. Um, I'm not too sure whether that's needed. I think so far we're getting the origin story of the Punisher. I think we're going to get it anyway, uh, coming up in this season of Daredevil. Um, so... I'm pretty sure that this is going to take the kind of tack that it was taken last year with, um, with Kingpin, where we're going to get a very, uh, Punisher centric episodes coming up throughout this season. It won't be to me. I don't think it's going to be like Luke Cage was in Jessica Jones, where he was just a supporting character and you didn't get any of his backstory really. Um, I think this is going to be much more. You're going to see a lot more of the Punisher in this se- series. Uh, to complement the story of Daredevil unfolding as well. so Absolutely. Um, and, I mean, that would fit with some uh, of the, the stories in the comics as mm-hmm. well, definitely. So I'd say maybe towards the end of the season, we'll see what we know of Punisher and Frank Castle. I'm loving John Bernthal's portrayal of the Punisher. I really do like uh, how gruff and how uh, how right on point he is for the, the Frank Castle we know from the comics. Really, really good job. So definitely wouldn't be opposed to seeing a Punisher show um, in the future, uh, but I'm kind of yeah. intrigued to see how they're going to handle him in Daredevil first and see how it plays out over the 13 episodes anyway. And we did get a bit of feedback on this point uh, this morning while watching episode two from Nick Watches Marvel over on Twitter. Uh, he says, I had a thought. What if Punisher eventually becomes a defender? Uh, the trailers foreshadow DD, Elektra and Punisher fighting the hand together. That would be a great thing that the, the Punisher really becomes the immoral center for the defenders, mm-hmm. you know, and actually has to be reined back by, by maybe, uh, Daredevil and, and a few of the others like, uh, Luke Cage to really like stay disciplined and stay on board. I say that knowing that he's also a very disciplined soldier. So, yeah. I mean, like, 
This would be really cool, I reckon. He'd, he'd almost be like the Hulk of the Defenders, uh, where they just point him at a target and he takes them out, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then they have some way of calming him down or getting him back and reining him in, you know? But he's uh, also the tactical mastermind as well for them. Yeah. Like, really allows them to, to be in the right place at the right time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep, thanks for that feedback, Nick. Really good for you to send it in. Yeah, thank you so much for the, the feedback, yeah. Uh, John, do you want to take us on to your last point? Yeah, it's round two of the Battle Royale. Oh, that, yes. You know, we left it at uh, the end of episode one, and now we pick it up here after the, the trap uh, being sprung against the Punisher uh, sort of fails. Uh, you know, I love just how the... The truck that contains, um, the, the washdown guy, one-eyed Jack from, um, <laughs> from the, the dogs of hell compound. I love the fact that he's used by the Punisher. He's strapped up to the wheel. Um, but the fight, um, on top of the roof between Daredevil and Punisher again, you know, Daredevil comes in right at the wrong moment for the Punisher to, to really, um, stop him from taking out either the SWAT team or at least Grosso. Um, and the fight up on the roof is really, really good. I mean, you've got the Punisher using the nunchucks. You've got Daredevil using the nunchucks. You've got some really great beatdowns. And, and it's all being done in the context of all these bullets flying around from the uh, NYPD SWAT team, which, I mean... You know, these guys are really bad shots. Um, they, they are, are really bad, terrible shots. Um, <laughs> but thank God they are because they, they give a great backdrop to, um, this fantastic rooftop fight between the two of them. I mean, it's really visceral. It's really raw. And I really like that, um, of the Punisher and, and what he's bringing to these fights. It's proper just punches, blocks. Um, and he's willing to use anything around him, including, you know, his adversary's own weapons against them. Um, so I really like that. I love how the water tower was riddled with bullets and starts spraying down water as well. Oh, I mean, it was great. really, really cool. And then you, you end it where they fall through the, the roof light. And I love the way they're circling one another, like the dogs at the dog fight, you know, yeah. where Max has been rescued from. Um, and really trying to get a measure of, of each other. And then we, we, we had it earlier in the episode where, um, the bullet to the head seems to have messed with, with, uh, Matt's senses. You yeah. Know, he, he suddenly becomes very oversensitive to noise. He gets a loss of precision. He can't catch the glass as it falls in his apartment. His nose starts to run with blood and he, it's almost like he goes deaf temporarily. Mm -hmm. And this suddenly all starts coming back. Um, whilst he, He's circling, sort of trying to measure um, the Punisher, and presumably the Punisher takes his opportunity because all we see then is, uh, you know, a Salvador Dali-type stroke of blood <laughs> across the floor, and both of them have disappeared. You know, foggy, frantic, because he's seen it all going down on, on videotape back at the the mobile HQ. Yeah, absolutely. This is also my my final point because it's obviously the big moment in the episode. Um, I did like the fact that they kind of depowered Matt because it's very important that Matt is a super powered uh, individual in the show. He's he 
uh, got hit by the radioactive material in season one. That's why he's got some of the powers with heightened senses and heightened abilities. And the Punisher isn't a superpowered being. He doesn't have any heightened abilities, just got amazing training. But I like the fact that they did depower Matt for this fight with the Punisher. Um, it's, it's a nice way of doing it. They do it always in the Marvel comics where there is a battle between your two heroes or your hero and your villain. And if they're, if they aren't on a level playing field, um, it can be very one-sided. So I like that they, chose this concept early on in the episode to show that Matt's not at not at his best his suit isn't up to up to snuff at the moment uh, he's also uh, been damaged in the last fight with um with Punisher and it's now leading to him not to be as good with the senses this time as he was uh, in the previous fight so I like that little little touch to kind of depower him also a big shout out to Eric Linden who does the stunt doubling for um for John Berntal's Punisher uh, in this season. So uh, we now have Chris Brewster, who does uh, Daredevil, versus Eric Linden, uh, who does the Punisher in their fight. You know, I mentioned in the last episode about the fact that they both have very specific fighting styles taking on each other. It's like mixed martial arts yeah, almost. Yeah, absolutely. Know? Uh, they are using the ability of a stronger, uh, bigger man versus a faster um, trained um professional you know and i like the fact that they've used these two uh these two different styles against each other it's great to see it on screen again brilliant job from the stunt, stunt crew i don't think it needs to be said we'll probably say it every episode though because they're, they're doing a great job i mean the other thing about this is i really do like the dodgy da of samantha reyes I yeah mean, okay she might not be dodgy as such but i mean you know she's been pretty underhand with um with foggy you know we, we see her earlier on where she's essentially got zero respect for for foggy mm -hmm. she's really talking him down and here that they've absolutely kept them in the dark as to this trap that they're trying to do which is not for edgar brass and that's the thing is it presumably that whilst Ed edgar brass is a known sort of drug runner and and, and cartel leader that you know it's a bit of a red herring mm. here that it's He's really not that much on the radar of the NYPD yeah, like and the he, DA. Was he ever actually going to be there to meet Grotto, or is this just purely a setup to yeah. like the Punisher? You know, pure um, setup. It yeah. looks like absolutely. Um, you know, she's pretty underhand, uh, and you know, this is more like witness non-protection, really. I <laughs> yeah. mean, like, I don't, I wouldn't want to go into that kind of protection uh, outfit if you have to put yourself in harm's way and be the bait. Um, so this was. Um, this this trap for the Punisher, you know, it does put questions onto Samantha Reyes, which maybe we'll see more of um, in in this series. And it will be interesting to see how that all plays out. You know, is um, Edgar Brass just this red herring, or will he play out over the course of of the season? Yeah, yeah, it'd be very interesting to see. Well, that's our top five points for the episode. John, do you have any notes? I do. I love the nods to, to Jessica Jones in here. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we have Samantha Reyes as the DA. Um, she was there in, as you said, the final episode of, of Jessica Jones, That's Smile, right. aka Smile. Um, but we also have a nod to the deceased Detective Clemens mm -hmm. by, uh, Officer Mahoney and, um, great little line saying Clemens used to say, treat them like mushrooms, feed them shit and keep them in the dark with regards to the perpetrators. You know, you've got Grosso in the interrogation room. Um, it's like, you know, really need to keep him undercover and not knowing anything so that he gives us everything. Yeah. Uh, you know, he grows in it's that really way. Good, isn't I it? really like those, those two nods to, um, Jessica Jones. And of course, obviously just the nod back to season one with, um, Melvin, um, 
the gladiator. Mm-hmm. You know, really good to see that as well. I'm sure I did see a Stiltman outfit still in the background of us. Of I uh, thought so place. too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So that's that's one of my notes. Cool. I have uh, two quick notes as well. Uh, I like that Foggy says to says to Karen not to go out during the battle uh, because uh, this place is about to become a war zone. Obviously, one of the most well known. Punisher comic books is Punisher Warzone. Yeah, so exactly. Nice little touch there. Uh, one of the other things I caught during the episode is the inappropriate banter of uh, Karen and and Foggy as well. I just thought there was some really funny moments where you know Foggy's looking really nervous about to uh, about to approach the DA, and he says to Karen, "How do I look?" And she goes, "Moderately presentable," and then goes, "Oh no, sorry, I didn't mean to make you more nervous." Uh, a bit later on, they're talking to uh, to Grotto, and um, Grotto says, "Am I going to be okay here?" And Foggy says. Uh, just don't say anything incriminating and you'll be okay. And he goes, uh, but does that mean I'm going to get arrested if I say anything incriminating? <laughs> He's like, no, I was only joking with you, you know? I like that the two of them are terrible at judging whether they, when they can tell jokes to somebody else and when not, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, they have one other one where Foggy is also talking to Grotto and says, this offer is open till midnight tonight. After that, it turns into the great pumpkin Charlie Brown kind of congratulating himself almost on the fact that he's got a little reference to Charlie Brown in there and Grotto looks at him really nervously and goes, what are you talking about? What does that mean? What does it actually mean? <laughs> um, so I love this this little banter between those two and uh, other characters around them where they just can't judge when to tell a joke and when not to. Uh, really good fun. Yeah, no, I, I think the, the banter between Karen and, and Foggy is really good. And I actually think, you know, what's going to happen when uh, Karen finds out about Daredevil this banter between Foggy and Karen when she realizes that he's been lying to her and covering for Matt will she be able to forgive Foggy or will there be some lingering resentment for a, for a few episodes I suppose another note that I would have which is kind of connected to this um is that she does kind of say that when you're ready to tell me what it is you can't at the moment I hope you do. And and Matt does say yes. Now, she's thinking about heavy drinking yeah. um, and, and all the scars and bumps and knocks that he's getting. But maybe Matt is thinking about um, him telling her that he is the vigilante daredevil and that, you know, he wants this Karen brought into that that fold because ultimately that relationship is part of his weakness um in, in the comics uh, with regards to his enemies that yeah. they can hone in on that so it'll be really interesting to see that relationship develop between them but with that then derek do you defend this episode of daredevil yes i do yeah i really enjoyed this episode you know i'm really liking this early part of the season i'm liking the fact that we're getting a setup story for the punisher we're getting more details about him they're working them quite well side by side the team of daredevil that we know from season one and this new team uh, that we're getting in season two really enjoyed the nods to jessica jones having uh having reyes in there was really good Um yeah really enjoying this episode and just Again, two episodes in a row having a battle between Daredevil and the Punisher and a great one, a really epic uh, fight in the water um, as they beat each other with the billy clubs. Uh, it was really, really good to see. So I definitely defend this episode. John, do you defend this episode of Daredevil? I do defend this uh, episode of Daredevil. You'll be unsurprised to, to hear. Um, I'm going to definitely give this um, 4.5 bloody baseball bats out of five and <laughs> um, for me again i'm loving how we got a great fight sequence with uh, punisher and daredevil again at the end loved it but 
importantly, I'm loving how the um, characters around Daredevil are responding to him as Daredevil or uh, as Matt. And Foggy, for me, without question, uh, Foggy Nelson in, in, in this episode was really good. I loved how he looked out for him, but was also questioning uh, him. I loved how he stood up to the DA um, but also, you know, had that relationship with Karen, as you said, where he, he, he's really, that awkwardness is still there from the first season. Yeah. And I'm really liking how then with Matt Murdock, Karen is asking him to open up. You know, she's wanting that relationship, but she's also aware that, you know, something's going on. Now, she thinks it's drink, but maybe uh, by the end of this episode, she's really starting to, to think that it's... um something else Maybe. certainly given foggy's reaction to seeing daredevil and running out into that war zone yeah. so i really like those kind of um relationships and how they've developed since season one and how they're being really uh put front and central you know season one was very much about daredevil's story and now this is daredevil and matt's story with his friends uh, and enemies as well yeah um so that i really really enjoyed uh, i i love the the nods as you said to the um to season one of daredevil with um melvin potter coming back i love the nods to jessica jones having that consistency of characters coming in yeah. we get the punisher call out we have the devil worshippers call out um again this idea of vigilante when has it gone too far mm -hmm. you know almost a batman type uh sort of questions being being brought here mm. uh, and then we have you know a little sneak peek into the world of Frank Castle in that um that pawn shop where he's getting the the radio uh, device and we have that uh, that that baseball bat um incident like I really really liked it and maybe we've also got Max the dog which is going to be uh, interesting to see uh, as well so to me this is fantastic and I, I really can't wait to see where um the Punisher has taken uh, Daredevil I presume it's to that 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 chimney stack where he's got him chained up uh, and they're going to have a bit of a heart to heart I would say um you know who are you who the hell are you what are you doing what the hell are you doing mm -hmm. and we're just going to tease out this you know this this aggressive at the moment relationship that they have uh with one another uh, and maybe there might be a start um of a team being built here as we as we heard from some of the feedback so maybe. can't wait to see what happens in episode three um and uh, yes i absolutely defend this episode of daredevil Yep, good stuff. So obviously, as we're recording this, people are caning through the episodes, but we are getting a bit of feedback <laughs> in, um, particularly over on our Facebook group. Uh, but our first bit of feedback comes in from Rob Morgan, who plays Turk Barrett on the show. He says, thank you for keeping the plate warm for me. Turk Barrett fighting for his little place of the kitchen of Hell's Kitchen. Um, he says, glad you can dig, dig it. If it was up to me, Turk Barrett would be in every episode. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, we absolutely love Turk Barrett um, on on the first season. Having watched episode one again now as well, I'm still there going, those poor fingers, those poor knuckles, and like going, <laughs> they are seriously mangled after what Devil did to, to poor Turk. Uh, hopefully he recovers uh, in that month he's going to be spending in prison. <laughs> and of course, we hope that you get a sidekick as well with Grotto, that yeah. Grotto lives through this uh, Punisher um, sort of track 
of him and that he can join you in a life of crime in New York City. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, we also got a little bit of feedback from Claire Laffer, who's uh, the one of the hosts of the Defenders podcast and joined us for an episode of our Agent Carter coverage. Um, Claire says, I've got my five point feedback. Uh, Clements mention, yay, Melvin, yay, oh god, I love this show, oh god, I love this character, oh god, explodes. Um, <laughs> I think you missed a few points on there, Claire, but thanks very much for the feedback. I know you're going through your 13-hour marathon session, uh, watching all 13 episodes back-to-back, uh, so that you can host your episodes of uh, of the Defenders podcast coming up from, uh, from next week. Hope you're enjoying it as much as we are. Yeah, and remember... Keep hydrated and make sure you push through those moments where you you need to get that extra bit of energy to watch the 13-hour marathon. You're like Eddie Izzard at the moment, doing 27 marathons in one (laughs) one go. This is 13 episodes back-to-back in one go, so keep it up. Absolutely. And we've also had some Facebook reactions in so far, John. Yeah, Ronaldo um, said the intro to Frank is so menacing. It's just like he's this force. So fun to be back in the Daredevil world, immediately so different from Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes, I think apart from the initial massacre of the Irish mob, it has been interesting that the violence associated with Frank Castle is only implied and minimal compared to previous Punisher incarnations on screen. In Warzone, it's over-the-top graphic and Tom Jane's movie, both the film and the short, never shirk on the violence in your face. Bernthal's Punisher does all this killing off screen, or he himself is off screen, and it makes for a very menacing and deadly effect. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I think that's one of the great things uh, about this. And yeah. I, I think it links into some of the uh, other Facebook reactions that we've got uh, from Ben and from Rebecca. Uh, ben goes, it's a very Garth Ennis intro for Frank and Rebecca. It was about as Ennis as you can get, um, with a big smile emoticon. Yeah. It really is, um, very much, um, seems to be taken from Garth Ennis. Yeah. Kind I think I mentioned that in the first podcast. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and as well, um, then just going back to Ronaldo, he also has a small note as well for episode one. Um, he goes at the very beginning, He loves Daredevil taking down one of the diamond robbers in the Chinese kitchen. Then the cooks beat the crap out of the fallen robber. (laughs) Kick-ass. Smiley face. Like, yeah, absolutely. It's just so, so sort of like... um, we're going to get you back. You know, we're going to take out our revenge. We're going to save our, you know kitchen it's not, like, not the city it's kind of really good yeah but it is like the a good kind of touch of it that it is in a kitchen in hell's kitchen that the residents of that kitchen are taking it out on the robbers i think that's quite a good little touch as well but good call out i remember laughing quite loudly when i watched it in the episode and then forgetting to put it into our podcast review so good call out definitely it all seems to be about the punisher having a huge impact on the first episode of, of season two and yeah. its introduction like chris our co-host who was um on the other side of the world goes, I think they're saving the gore for a couple of episodes later so that when we see it, it will be a stark contrast from Daredevil's uh, more considered approach, maybe more cold and with military precision. Absolutely. Um, and Will Madgwick says, I'm glad it went straight into action. I've been looking forward to it so much. That's exactly what I wanted. Yeah, I agree, Will. It's really good, uh, really good to see that bit of action in there. And then finally, Little Kev says, I've had a wee binge today. All I can say is, hell yeah, it is a completely different show than series one. Maybe a bit more of the Punisher show than Daredevil. Thanks very much for that, guys. Really good to hear from everybody on their feedback as they're watching through the first couple episodes of uh, of Daredevil. 
Uh, with that, if you want to send us in your feedback, just send it to feedback at defenderstvpodcast.com. As I mentioned earlier on, we will be slowing down our coverage, so you will be able to get in feedback about the episodes as you watch them. You can always send in feedback about the first two episodes, and we will read it out on the next episode that we're that we're going to be recording. Uh, if you want to send in feedback for any future episode, just send it to feedback at defenderstvpodcast.com and mark the episode number in it uh, that you want to talk about. If you want to share any feedback with us on our Facebook group, just go find Defenders TV Podcast over on Facebook. You'll see a group in there. Just join us and we'll uh, we'll talk with you about the episodes there and share your feedback on the podcast. Yeah, there's also Twitter at DefendersCast, so please uh, follow us there on, on Twitter. But of course, as always, remember you can find us on DefendersTVPodcast.com forward slash iTunes or any other good podcast catchers such as Podcast Addict, Beyond Pod, Player FM, or Stitcher, just search Defenders TV Podcast. Remember, um, subscribe, review, share, like, you name it. Uh, you do anything that's got a thumbs up, that is perfect. And of course, the more reviews we get, the more we will um, obviously uh, pop up in the feeds of these podcast catchers and on iTunes. Uh, it helps other people find our podcast. Mm-hmm. So any review um, is really much appreciated. Um, thank you so much again for listening. And of course, we'll be back in the next couple of days with our coverage of episode three of Daredevil season two and also with our coverage of Agent Carter episode eight uh, as well. So make sure you subscribe to the feed, as John mentioned, and uh, pick up all of those episodes. Thank you so much for joining us for our podcast coverage of Daredevil. We've been really enjoying it. Hope you're enjoying the episodes too. Yeah, thank you so much again for listening uh, and we'll speak to you soon. Bye. This has been a Flickering Myth Podcast Network production. For more information, head over to flickeringmyth.com for more shows like it. Find this show in iTunes by searching for the podcast name and head over to youtube.com forward slash flickeringmyth to subscribe to the Flickering Myth movie show. We'll see you on the next podcast. Take care. Bye-bye.